Babagal Moto Tours podcast. Overlanding journeys through stories of our motorcycle, 4x4, and camping van friends. Mark, uh, welcome to Labagala Moto Tours Overland Podcast. You're our first guest ever. Really? First guest ever. God. What, what, what an honor. Yeah, that is an honor. And uh, we'll chat about motorcycles, about traveling, about life, about what, what moves you forward. So, yep. what, what drives you? What, what's the thing that, that pushes you forward, like now and, and through life and in total? Uh, okay, well that's, that's, that's a very broad question, but it's, um, it's passion. Okay, passion. That's the word, it's, it's, it's passion. Passion for life or passion for? Yeah, passion, passion for life and the, the things that I, I love to do, one of which is riding motorcycles. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's, that's really what drives me because they, it gives me such pleasure uh-huh. uh, and I just love doing it so much. That's, that's really the, the key driver. Mm-hmm. Like if I didn't have a motorcycle or I didn't have love for motorcycles, I don't think I would be traveling these countries. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we spoke about that like a couple of days ago. When you very told me about, about your passion when you sit on a bike yeah. and what feeling you get when, when you sit on a bike. Absolutely. Um, is the same feeling I'm, when you get in the 4x4 or is no, it totally different? Okay. It's totally different. Well, it's a very different feeling. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's probably of the same ilk, if you mm-hmm. like. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I'm uh, not having a good morning, or I've had a bad sleep, or okay. I had some food that upset me, or I drank too much beer, or uh-huh. something like that, I get up in the morning and I feel yuck. Uh-huh. As soon as I get on the bike, all that's <laughs> gone. Okay, let's go. Uh-huh. I can totally relate to that. And I just whoa, and, and it just lights up. And mm-hmm. I'm, and I'm off. And as the hours progress, I, I will get fatigued, of course, mm-hmm. but I still love doing it. We spoke a couple of days ago about, about, the, about, uh, about uncertainty, like exploring the world and that aspect of uncertainty. Yeah. Can you elaborate a little bit more about that? Um, Do you like that uncertainty? Like? Yeah, well, that's a part of my, my character. I enjoy risk analysis mm-hmm. and taking risks. Mm-hmm. And it, it helps keep me interested. Yeah, okay. And even even when I'm riding riding the bike, I, I like to push the fuel to the last minute. <laughs> okay. Well, not the last 60 seconds, literally, but I, I like to push it mm-hmm. so that I'm not in a safety zone all the time. Yeah. I like to be in a risk zone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it keeps me alive. Yeah. And it keeps me bright-eyed. And uh, I, I get a thrill out of, out of doing that. And uh, as the fuel's going down, and I know that the next fuel stop is so many kilometres away, mm-hmm. I know that I can either reduce the speed or increase the f- speed to mm-hmm. adjust the fuel consumption so that I get to the next fuel stop with very little fuel left in the tank. And then I feel as though I've achieved my objective. Mm-hmm. Okay, um, I understand. But all, all things... Um, or, or all risks, I always analyse the risk and people, people are obsessed with safety mm-hmm. and risk is always exaggerated by others, particularly okay. who haven't done it. And I saw a really good example of that about four years ago when I rode the, uh, I think it's the Dalton Highway uh-huh. um, from Fairbanks to uh, Prudhoe Bay, Prudhoe Bay, which mm-hmm. is about 400 mm-hmm. miles, I think, mm-hmm. 400 miles, something like that. 
and uh, the picture that people painted was very negative indeed. I thought, God, this is going to be really tough. Yeah. But it wasn't at it all. It wasn't. Mm-hmm. And I kept on, as I was doing the ride, I kept on thinking, well, where is it? Yeah. You know, when, when are we going to get to the tough section? And there was nothing terrible about it mm-hmm. at all. But I've noticed that repeatedly. Mm-hmm. People will always paint a much bleaker picture. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Because they seem to like sort of bad news somehow. The, the similar thing was said of Pakistan and Iran. Oh, God, you'll mm. come home in a bag. Someone will cut you up with an AK-47. You know, nothing yeah. could be further than the truth. People are usually, like, in general, negative. Yeah, they, they, they attract are. negative stuff towards them, and then negative things happen, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I, I don't listen to any of that at, at all. I, 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 well, I let it go in one ear and out the other, but I don't give it any credit mm. um, I, I always analyse the risk myself and then I move forward on that basis yeah would, would you would you uh, would you think of a, ri- a risk is a matter of choice like if you make right choices yeah it be good if you don't then you know well that's right okay I mean the the, the thrill the, the risk that we take with riding motorcycles is because That, that's the risk we take for the pleasure we have. Uh-huh. And we all know that it's risky. Oh, yeah. I mean, the numbers in Australia, the raw numbers are roughly, you're, you're roughly 30 times more likely to die on a motorbike mm. than you are in a car. Well, that's a horrendous number. Oh, yeah. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. But we still all do it. Yep. And, and if something terrible happens, well, we can't be surprised about it. Mm-hmm. When I got hit by that car in India, that was, that was a really bad day for me. Uh, was it the first time you had a big crash in India? Yeah. First time ever. Okay. I had a very bad accident when I was 21. Okay. Which was due to youthful exuberance and inexperience. Yeah. Uh, too much speed. Too much speed, mm-hmm. yep. No experience. But I've done a hell of a lot of miles since then and I've never, mm-hmm. never had a bad accident. But you can, you can honestly like state that uh, the, the thing in India that happened to you Uh, was that that your experience through the last like 40 or plus years of writing helped you to oh, to get uh, out of it like no injuries at all right well I was injured but uh, not not badly but you know the answer to the first part of your question is yes I got out of that by reverse steering mm. and uh, it's amazing the number of long-time riders that don't understand about reverse steering it's staggering oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, But it's such a natural thing with me. Um, I, I'd taken that course of action without any conscious decision mm-hmm. and, and consciously threw the bike down. And that's what saved my life. There's no mm-hmm. question about it. So um, can I share with our like, community, why do you travel like overland in remote areas in a motorcycle? What was the reason? Well, the main, the main reason is that um, Europe's too easy, basically. Uh-huh. The, the, the bitumen roads are too <laughs> yeah. easy. Yeah. I mean, anyone can do that. Well, there's no fun. No. Uh-huh. Well, there is fun, but yeah. there's no real fun challenge factor. in it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Whereas some of the roads I've been, I was, I was challenged. No two ways mm-hmm. about it. I was pushed. And in that, that moment when you fell in a, in a, in a, in a creek, and then you, oh, you, you went well, to the little village? That is not fun. Yeah, that's not I fun. I mean, I can't honestly say that I enjoyed getting wet. Mm. when it's about minus 10 degrees and then mm. suffering from hypothermia. Mm. That is not a fun experience. Mm-hmm. Neither is crashing a motorbike. Oh, yeah. But it's all part of it. 
and you have to accept it, right? And if, if it was easy, everyone would be doing it. That's right. And I, I just like to go the extra mile. Mm. And that's, that's where my, how my life has evolved. I like, so, so I, when you, Sarah from Trapping, when you get, when you get to some point, like getting uh, to a goal, like, you know, reaching that point of the trip, uh, are you thrived by the process of traveling? Or you're thrived by that, you know, I have to reach that goal. What do you like? What's Yeah, I think it's I think it's goal setting for, mm-hmm. for me. It, it, it's very much I, I set an objective, mm-hmm. I set a goal, and then I go about achieving that achieving, objective. Okay. And then when I do achieve that objective, I feel satisfied. Okay, cool. And that, that's really how I pretty much run my whole life, certainly mm-hmm. in business mm-hmm. and in many, uh, many uh, things that, that I've done. So, so you can relate lots of like, like your passions and things you do in life to, to the business aspect of, oh, of your life. Oh, absolutely. Right? Okay. So much about success is goal setting. Mm. You really can't progress unless you have goals. It, mm. It's not going to happen. And patience, right? Well, there's other aspects, but mm. goal is one of them. Mm. You, you certainly have to have something to aim for. Mm. And I, I used to say, say to my now 25-year-old daughter, if you don't have goals, it's like one of those old Western movie sets <laughs> with Clint Eastwood and the, with his bloody Colt 45 yeah. revolver and a few other guys standing out on the street in their big overcoats and the yeah. wind's blowing and those tumbleweeds are getting blown, <laughs> blown down. Yeah. You're just a tumbleweed getting blown by the wind. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whereas if you've got goals, mm-hmm. you can make stuff happen. And you're making choices. You, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But once you set a goal, your subconscious mind, mm-hmm. there's the conscious mind and the subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. The conscious mind is what we're using now. Mm-hmm. But your subconscious mind simply finds a way of achieving that goal mm-hmm. while you're asleep. That's right. And that, that's been known for decades. I but fully it's, agree. It's not taught in schools, and mm. it should be. Because yeah. it's a very powerful tool. It's taught through life. Life and, experience. And you, you need to, when, when you set a goal, you really should write it down. Mm-hmm. Just, just write it down in your diary. Say, I want to ride to Prudhoe Bay from Fairbanks. Mm-hmm. And you say that five times a day. To have the framework, to have the perspective. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And your subconscious mind just says, oh, okay, well, yeah. how are we going to do that? Mm-hmm. And, and then the ideas come into your mind. Yeah. So that's what I do. Cool. So what about the motorcycle? What do you ride and why do you ride the exact bike? What's... Well, I've been through a bit of an evolution with motorcycles. I haven't owned a lot. I suppose I've had about, about a dozen, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Um, currently, my, my, my day bike in Australia for the last probably nearly 10 years, has been a uh, BMW RT1200, mm-hmm. which as far as I'm concerned is, is just a perfect motorcycle for mm-hmm. me. I'm absolutely in love with it. I think it's, I think it's fantastic. And uh, I love that because um, for bitumen road riding, because it's very, very comfortable. It's very fast. It's got about 107 mm-hmm. rear wheel horsepower, I think, with the, mm-hmm. with the Acropovic exhaust on mm-hmm. it, which is more than enough. Mm. If you need more than a hundred horsepower <laughs> on the rear wheel, yeah, I agree with that. you're a serious petrol. Mm. Mm. It'll it'll do two hundred and twenty nine kilometers per hour flat out on the GPS. Mm. Now that's enough for that's me. That's more enough. We had one one guest coming here from Australia on the Hayabusa. Oh, okay. That's a monster. Yeah, well, they're a weapon. Those things. Yes. You know, they're a serious weapon. Mm. And if that's what you want, well, that's you know, fine. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. 
he was riding quite a lot like on a daily mileage if you, if you look at his like trips uh-huh. quite a lot so I can understand why he's choosing these kind of bikes just you know he likes the, the style and everything well it's a very personal thing you know mm. it's, it's it, 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 it's like a woman really you know you, mm. you, you, you want to be with a woman that particular woman for those particular reasons that other people might look at and think nah yeah. not, not really like that mm-hmm. that much and bikes should be like that guys get so emotionally involved with their bikes oh yeah I agree with that and mm-hmm. uh, some, of the, some of the guys in, in our group in Australia they're, it's funny they love their Harleys to the end of the world mm-hmm. they, they make any excuse for their Harley being overweight Handles like a bloody shopping trolley. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you know it's got yeah. no ground clearance, mm. appalling reliability. They yeah. make all the excuses in the world, but the point is they don't know any better. Yeah, I they, agree with that. They've never ridden a decent bike. So it's funny. What's the reason for choosing Suzuki DRZ four hundred for the for the bike for this trip? Well, the main reason for that was because when I did the Americas ride from Prudhoe Bay down to Ashwire, mm-hmm. I rode a Kawasaki KLR six fifty mm-hmm. for sixty five thousand kilometers. And I had a hell and of the a lot. Trip, the trip was long for how long? For a Eight year? months. Eight months, okay. I did, I did that distance. Mm-hmm. And the, um, the, the only issue with it is off, off the black top, mm-hmm. it's too heavy. Mm-hmm. It's miles too heavy. Mm-hmm. I think it came in at about 178 kilos dry, where, whereas the uh, DRZ was, I, th- I think it's about 128 or something like that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think it's about 50 kilos less from memory mm-hmm. and 50 kilos mate that is massive oh. it's huge yeah. when you're tired massive mm-hmm. amount of weight mm-hmm. but on the on the bitumen the KLR was a superb bike I absolutely loved mm-hmm. it and it wasn't too bad off road mm-hmm. but in sand and, and mud it was pretty shit ass yeah, yeah. whereas the DRZ uh, is, is a long way in front of that mm-hmm. like on a scale of 10 if the, if the KLR is about, say, five, half, halfway between dirt and road, mm-hmm. the DRZ is a three. Yeah. It's two steps towards the dirt, mm-hmm. and the weight makes a massive difference. The only downside is that you pay for it on the highway. Mm-hmm. It's not a pig on the highway. It's a compromise, right? It's a compromise. Yeah, it's a compromise. It's not as comfortable on the highway, whereas mm-hmm. the, the KLR650... You can look at a thousand kilometre day on bitumen on that, no problem. Mm-hmm. You really struggle doing a thousand k's on the DOZ. Mm-hmm. So, regarding the, the, the gear on the bike, the equipment, uh, what can you like say that you're really happy, really pleased how it performed for the trip? Okay, well, for me, the bike went from about eight thousand Australian dollars to about fifteen thousand with the modifications mm-hmm. that I made. And one of the main ones was the, uh, the Moscow Moto soft luggage. Mm-hmm. which I'm very, very happy with. Uh, I, I changed a few things to make it very secure on the racking system mm-hmm. and the abuse that that system took in India is just beyond belief. <laughs> it really is. And it didn't move at all. Mm. It didn't move one hair. So I was very, very impressed with that. So you would recommend to, to the community to buy like a Moscomoto to check it out? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. It's the endless debate between hard and soft luggage. Mm-hmm. Um, breaking your leg or not breaking your leg. Yeah, there's all that. There's mm-hmm. all those things. Security, you know, convenience. There's all those issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, but certainly, yep, I would, I would recommend anyone have a very good look at the uh, Moscow Moto soft luggage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it impressed me a lot. 
Okay. It's, it's so easy to take off the bike. It's waterproof. It's sort of almost steel proof. Mm-hmm. And it gives. And when when you, you, you fall off uh, on, on sand or mud, it's going to happen. And you will. I, yeah. I mean, mm. If you don't fall off, well, you're not trying hard enough. Yes. That's, that's basically what it yeah, is. That, that, I agree with that. Mm. It's not like riding a, a road bike where you don't want to fall off. Yeah. And when you when you do fall off and the bike hits the ground, it's got giving it. Mm-hmm. So what what bags from Oscomoto do you use? What it was in well It's the 35 litre. It's a backcountry? Backcountry. You see, okay. So I've got two of those and I've got the, I think it's a 60 litre bag on top mm-hmm. and that's enough. That's, that's enough. enough for me, but I'm not camping. Yeah, okay. So if you, if you want to camp and, and there's guys that are very, very adept at that, uh, you're probably looking at another 30 kilos of luggage, mm-hmm. I suppose, 20 anyway, 20, yeah. plus water. Mm-hmm. Stove, mattress, sleeping yeah, bag, blah, blah 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 blah, food, all of that. Uh, but I don't, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. And in in these two big rides that I've had through the Americas and through Asia, mm-hmm. not once have I find failed to find a bed for the night. Not once. And and because uh, you mean that, did you had any kind of issues when you travel across like South America or like now like Iran, Pakistan, India? Has anybody threatened you, or did you have any like bad experience at all, like with the people, right? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. It's it's almost unbelievable, really. But in in all of those those places that I've been, mm-hmm. not not once have I ever been threatened, pushed, mm-hmm. bad mouthed, questioned. Absolutely nothing. Mm-hmm. Okay, even at the borders, like everything was okay. Well, they're frustrating. Some of them, where they can take up to about four hours to 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 go through. That's a bad one. Mm-hmm. But normally they're about two hours. I, I'm mm-hmm. fine normally. Um, but no, no one's ever had a go at me. Mm-hmm. No. Okay. They, they get a bit stroppy sometimes, but mm-hmm. you know that's just having a bad day. Okay. Yeah, I've never ever had a personal security issue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. No. And, uh, so again, I think that's a thing that's that's exaggerated. Mm-hmm. People tend to exaggerate the bad things. I and agree with that. terrible things, really awful things do occur. But they also occur in Australia. In regular life. Students get murdered. Yeah. Bashed up. Mark, I'll have to stop the comma for like five minutes. Sure. This sort of thing. And we don't have uh, uh, too much. So, uh, can you, um, like, uh, uh, like, share some recommendations from your current experiences of overlanding to to the community what would you tell the people like uh, you know you should do this or try that okay uh well that's a very broad question yeah broad question like like this is uh, overlanding you, you can find your on motorcycles yeah mm-hmm. okay well um I, i think it's a good idea to uh, have a a goal and, and an end goal as i've already said mm-hmm. I, I don't plan every day by any means. Mm-hmm. I really wing a lot of it. But nevertheless, I've got an end goal. Like, my end goal for this trip was right here. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what I did in the middle was unknown, mm-hmm. almost on a day-to-day basis. I think bike preparation is a pretty big deal. Um, you have to know the mechanics, right, the basic stuff. You have to know, you have to know a bit about spanners. Mm-hmm. I think it would be a high-risk operation to go into a ride like this and have no knowledge of spanners. Mm-hmm. Like how to do an oil change, for example, or how to adjust your chain. You know, I think that would be uh, increasing the risk quite a lot. 
So I think that's pretty important. And you, that then gives you the knowledge to choose your spares. Like, um, and there's huge debate on this. It's quite funny on the internet. People get really emotional about it. You know, <laughs> okay. Do I need to take a spare chain? Well, some people think you're a bloody idiot if you take a spare chain. Mm. Other people like me insist on taking a spare chain because you, you don't know when it's going to wear out. That's the problem. Yeah. What if it wears out when you're halfway through a run yeah. and there's a trade embargo there? Yep. You're not going anywhere. That's right. So these are all risk things. And people say, oh, well, you get to the stage where you're just about carrying the whole spare bike on you. Well, these are just decisions you've got to make. Mm. We all know where the high probability failures are. Yep. So... Clutch cable, for example. If you break a clutch cable, that's the end of your ride. Yep, that's right. So you, you could be waiting weeks to get it to get another one. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, that, that's very important. And then you need you need to decide whether you're going to camp or not. If you are going to camp, you're going to save a lot of money, <coughs> hell of a lot of money. Um, but then you're going to be carrying a lot more gear with you, including mm-hmm. water, cooking implements. If you don't like sitting on the ground, you're going to have to have some kind of chair with you. You know, mm-hmm. it just goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, you have to know your bike a little bit so you can recognize strange noises, right? If they happen. Look, you've got to get happen. you've got to get really up close and personal with the bike. Mm-hmm. You, 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 you know, in a very big way, you need to you need to be really tuned in with your bike. You've got to know the look of it, the feel mm-hmm. of it, the smell of it. Mm-hmm. If something's burning or rubbing, mm-hmm. you're going to smell something. Mm-hmm. If there's fuel leaking, you should be able to smell it. Mm-hmm. All that kind of stuff. So you do have to be very personal with the bike gear. And, and you had a leaking radiator, right? I had a, a leaking crack. radiator. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. Um, that happened very suddenly on a very on a 48 degree day mm-hmm. in a uh, very pleasant pleasant temperature. <laughs> it was a tough day. Mm-hmm. It really was. And uh, that was in uh, down towards the Taftan border in Pakistan. Okay. With a, with a gale force sandstorm happening, and um, I, uh, I, it was it was too windy to smell, uh, but I, I sort of heard heard a heard, heard, heard a bit of a hiss, and then I saw uh, a stain appearing on a lower part of the bike that shouldn't be there. Yeah. So every every time I get off the bike, I just walk around the bike and have a look. Yep. And that, that's how I picked that up. Fat, fast checkups, right? Yeah, that's right. You just walk around the bike and yep. have a look. Just have a look at the spokes. Do the tyres look okay? It's nothing. It's only in thirty seconds. Mm-hmm. So I think all those things are very important. Were you were you cleaning the 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 rubber bushings of the forks uh, every now and then? Um, no, I didn't do that. Uh, that's that's probably probably a bit slack of me. Okay. Um, I I don't I don't treat the bike gently, really. I'm 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 probably a bit rough with it, uh, but I, I I do do all the basic maintenance. You know, I make sure I oil the chain almost every day. Um, oil changes and all that are, are very ritualistic. So so we can say that your approach is not like to have a prom queen. No. Have a tool. Oh it's no. A tool, right? It's a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. And when I was a fisherman I was exactly the same. You know, the focus for me was my nets, the yeah. winches, the diesel engine. I didn't care how much rust and seagull poop was on the side of the yeah. boat. I didn't care at all. Mm-hmm. I was really focused on, on everything that, that works. Mm-hmm. And everyone's different. You know, everyone yeah, everyone does different mm-hmm. things, you know. Mm-hmm. A lot of guys maintain the bike beautifully, they clean it every week. I didn't do any of that. Mm-hmm. 
we have some clients who are like that. I'm, I'm always admiring it at the at the level of, of attention, right? Yeah. I, I, I can't do that. I'm not like that. But, you know, I, I can relate. It's, it's whatever, whatever works. There's, you know, it's not good. It's not bad. I'm, I'm certainly at the slack end of things in, in terms of, uh, you know, what you just mentioned. Do you, do you clean the uh, fork tube around the seal? Stuff like that. Um, but anyway, time has proven that my approach is workable. And I'm still there. Yeah, that's that, that's how things should be, right? Mm. Okay, what about a, a passion for a four x four rubber landing? We spoke a couple of days ago about that. Uh, yeah. Can you share with the community a couple of notes? What do you drive and, and why do you drive it? Well, I've always loved four wheel driving because it's been a tool to feed a couple of my passions, which mm -hmm. is uh, fishing and okay. hunting. Okay. And uh, I. I all my life, I, I have mostly only had a four-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. um, for a few years, I, I did have a uh, utility two-wheel drive. Mm -hmm. But for, for most of my adult life, I've driven Toyota Land Cruiser utilities. Mm -hmm. Starting off with the, the early model uh, six-cylinder petrols. Uh, well, actually, before that, I had a Land Rover, Series 2 Land Rovers. Oh, serious? Okay. Yeah. That was, uh, that was in the Classic. very early 70s. Mm -hmm. And, uh, yeah, that was a pretty big learning curve because they were always breaking down. And I, I learned a lot about mechanics with those, oh, those, sure. those cars. Mm -hmm. But that's all there was at that time. Yeah, yeah. So there was nothing to compare it with. Yeah. Um, and I, now? Well, now I, I drive a... Um, I think it's a VDJ uh, 79 dual cab utility. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. Which, is, yeah. uh, which comes as a cab chassis in Australia. I put a steel tray on it and spent quite a lot of money on it. Mm. Um, it's the best four-wheel drive I've ever had by far. I love the basic nature of it. I like the fact you've got to get out of the car to engage the four-wheel hub. You know, I, I just don't want to be too much of a pussy and have automatic this and automatic mm. that and... You know, you never have to get out in the rain or the cold to see anything that's happening. Yeah. You know, I, I actually see that in a negative light. Um, and it's by far the best car. The engine is just out of this world. And guys modify them and have huge increases in horsepower and torque that I, I, I don't need. I honestly don't need. They're more than powerful enough as they are for what I want to do. But guys can just about double that, you know. And they're almost drag cars. Massive amount of power. Big potential, yeah. Oh, yeah. But even what it, what it is, it's more than enough for me. And with the diff locks front and rear, you have to work pretty hard to stop that car. Mm -hmm. It's incredible where it can go. If, if, if anybody would like give you an option like to uh, take uh, Suzuki DRZ or uh, Toyota Land Cruiser for like overlanding trip, you, you choose the destination, which vehicle would you choose? Well, if I was if I was going hunting, it'd be the Land Cruiser. But just just for travelling, just just, just, like, just travelling, like like. Well, if if I'm if I'm travelling by my, you know, it's horses stuff. for courses. But if I'm if I'm going along, if I want to ride to the centre of Australia, say Ayers Rock, something like that, I'd I'd take I'd take the DRZ. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because the thrill of the ride. You know, it's it's um, it's about the riding. You know, there's so many positive aspects of the riding. One of which is the sheer joy of riding, which you're never ever going to experience in a motor car. Yeah. Or maybe you would if it's a Ferrari or something. 
Because you're exposed to the elements. Well, right? yeah, and it's like you're dancing with the bike. You've got this total control. Plus, you've got complete panoramic vision. There's no pillars, there's no roof, there's no windows, there's nothing in the way. You've got this total panorama in front of you. You're in touch with your Which your is a great joy. And you see and smell and feel everything that's happening. Whereas in the car, you're sitting there with the window up, air conditioning on, the bloody stereo, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Okay. No, no okay. challenge in that. I can relate to that fully. <laughs> okay. Uh, when gathering the infos online for the, for the trip, uh, did you find uh, like useful to be a member of the online forums, of the online community? Uh, and which forums are you a member of? Okay. Well, the answer to that question is yes. And more particularly while I was actually on the ride. Because you can only do so much research, but I did do quite a bit of research. Uh, but the online forums really, really came into them themselves as as I went along. Now there's, there's I'm a member of about I think four. Okay. Uh, I should be able to rattle the names off, but I probably can't. Uh, so you're a member of ADV Rider. Yes. Okay. Horizons Unlimited. Yes. Okay. Um, see you in Iran. Okay. Um, some, something or other Pakistan mm -hmm. and there's, there's another Iranian one um, Overland to Iran yeah I think that that's right and also there's, there's an Asian one so something or other Asia or well, might okay. be Overland Asia okay and um, yeah the, the knowledge base in there is just stunning it's, in, mm -hmm. it's incredible the knowledge base in there you could put a question in there on almost almost any subject, mm -hmm. particularly with regard to border crossings or where you can get tyres or what's the cost of fuel, you know, there's a lot of questions on border, border control. Yeah. And, and you put a question on there and within just a few hours, you've probably got 10 or 20 answers. So for, for this trip, like uh, looking at the total, what would you state that's, that was the, like, the hardest aspect of this trip. Well, any, any trip is as hard as you want to make it. Yeah, okay. And a great example, a really great example of that is the Prudhoe Bay to Ushuaia run. If you, that's 27,000 kilometres on, on what's loosely known as the Pan American Highway, which isn't yeah. a highway at all, yeah, it's just right. a collection of roads. Yeah. But more than 90% of that is bitumen. You can do it on a Harley, no problem. Yeah. So you could still make that whole ride and say, I have ridden from Prudhoe Bay to Alaska. Mm -hmm. Yes, you have, but you haven't seen very much. <laughs> you haven't really yeah, been yeah. subjected to any pain. Mm -hmm. And that's really what it's all about. Okay. For me, mm -hmm. you know, you haven't been pushed. Okay. You haven't been tested. So... Um, and you like to be tested. Right? Yeah, yeah, that seems to be the way my life's unfolded. Yeah. Um, so, uh, does, does, does that answer that part of the question? Yeah, in, in a way, yes. I was more thinking in a way, like, what was the hardest you know, aspect, like, like uh, raging the bike, choosing the bike, choosing the route, paperwork, or, okay. or something else? Well, the, 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 the hardest part of the, um, the, the rides were the roads that I subjected myself to. Okay. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. Some, some of those tracks in the Himalayas, boy, oh boy. They were, they, were, they were hard days. But the rest of it, honestly, is just a walk in the park for me now. Mm -hmm. I, I hardly even have to think about it. 
it, it's like some of the other things I've done in my life, like when I when I go on a fishing or a hunting trip. It's just like cooking breakfast. Yeah. You know, I don't even have to think about it. It becomes great every day. Yeah, you know, I, yeah. I, I just, it's just all there. Um, I, I don't really need to make lists or anything. It, it just all kind of happens. But uh, that's certainly what happened with, with this long run from mm-hmm. Malaysia mm-hmm. to Zagreb. Okay. And I, I really didn't do a lot of planning for that. Mm-hmm. But I did do a fair bit of planning for the motorbike because mm-hmm. that's something you really can't stuff around with mm-hmm. in an area where they don't have parts. Yeah. Uh, but none of, that, none of that was really hard. That was just, it's just part of it, you know? Mm-hmm. It, it's the journey that's the thing, you know? Pe- people's use that expression it's it, it's not the destination it's the journey, journey yeah. and that is so true it's mm-hmm. so so true you know if you just want to get to a destination well get mm-hmm. in a car and yeah. just drive there so we're, we're talking about a process here like a process journey is the process like. yeah the things that mm-hmm. happen to you certainly the preparation of the machine is is very very important you know you you, you want to make sure you you've got maps either electronic ones and or paper ones you know, the spare parts for the bike, all that kind of stuff, but that's all part of the journey. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, Mark, what's the last, like, uh, like uh, message for the community from, from your side, like for overlanding travelers on motorcycles or 4x4? Four four? Uh, okay, well, you know, from me, um, I think you just just got to get out there and enjoy yourself, and you, you, you've got to set, set a goal, and you can even just pin the, uh, what do they call, pin the tail on the donkey mm-hmm. and just stick a pin in a map and say, okay, that's where I'm going. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't trust mass media, right? Don't, 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 don't trust, trust mass, mass media. media. Okay. No, no, I think, uh, but everyone's different, you know, mm-hmm. and, and a lot of people wouldn't dream of doing an overland mm-hmm. outback run. Mm-hmm. And that's fine for them. Of course. But for, for other people who do want, have a bit of a sense of adventure that they want to explore um, just just do it just get out there and do it it's all doable it's all in your mind if you want to do it you will do it yeah we spoke about it a couple of and you've got to have that passion to achieve that goal and if you if you don't have the passion to do it well you're wasting your time like if, if you have a if you have a will you'll find a way oh yeah oh absolutely uh, yeah, very much so. But it's amazing what you can do when you're pushed. It's quite incredible what what you can do when you're pushed. Mm-hmm. But you, you you have to want to be able to do that. Yeah, you have to want and and uh, a few times in my life, my back's really been against the wall. And I, I've mm-hmm. been standing there with a sabre in my hand and my back to the wall. Mm-hmm. And I found a way. Mm-hmm. A way that I would never, ever have imagined had I not been pushed. Yeah. And that's uh, that, that, that's my advice. Just get out there and do it if if that's going to suit your character. But if you're the sort of person that wants to go to the bowling club and have a few beers with the boys and a pizza on Saturday night, it's probably not for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with that. Totally. That's <laughs> that's my advice. Just just do it. Mark, thanks for the for the for the conversation. Oh, it's been been a real pleasure, Doobie. Pleasure. Really, thank you. Good.